Good morning. Is that not an awesome praise team? I, I know that they don't do it for the applause and all that kind of stuff, but I'm going to say that again. Is that not an awesome praise team? You know, they set the mood. They said there's been enough gospel already this morning to save every lost soul in Calhoun County and reclaim all the backsliders in three different counties. The gospel's been preached up here this morning already. How deep the Father's love. I mean, that just about makes me want to squall like a baby when I think about it. How unworthy I am of that kind of love. And then, you know, I'll do it again. Do it again. Uh, you know, I'm a career prodigal. We read about the prodigal son. I have been the career prodigal. I've been in and out, up and down, hot and cold, and back and forth. And, but every time I come back, come he always welcomes me back. He's got his arms out. He's walking towards me. I'm not having to chase him down. He's come in pursuit of me. And I thank him. This morning, we're going to swerve a little bit from Acts because... Kenny is doing a phenomenal job on that Acts series, and I don't want to do anything to mess it up. Because he is, he is I mean, no, seriously, he is drawing out some stuff. He's distilling that, the essence of it. And the last thing he needs is somebody to come up here and cause any kind of hiccup or swerve or bump in the road. So I'm going to do my best not to do that this morning. So what we're going to talk about this morning, we're going to talk about Jonah, the runaway prophet. Now, all of you that's been in church a while have heard the story of Jonah, Jonah and the whale. Even since you're a little bit of a kid, Jonah and the whale. Four chapters to Jonah. Basically, what it starts out is Jonah is an Israelite. God says, I want you to go to Nineveh, which is, was in Assyria, a foreign country. The Israelites didn't like Assyria. Assyria wasn't all that crazy about Israel. They weren't, the Ninevites and the Syrians weren't, God's chosen people like the Israelites were. But Jonah was commissioned by God, go to Nineveh, that great city, and tell them of the impending judgment. Jonah decides, I don't think I want to do that. I really don't want to do that. So he goes slap in the other direction. He sets sail for Tarshish, which is just as far from Nineveh as you can get still be on planet Earth. He gets out in the middle of the ocean, Storm comes up. Now, he's asleep in the bottom of the boat. World's coming to the end, as far as everybody else knows. He's at the bottom of the boat. That's, we'll run that dog some other day. That ain't something we're going to talk about today, about Jonah being asleep. At the, but he was asleep at the boat, at the bottom of the boat. The folks on the ship come down and say, hey, man, wake up. We are dying here. Whatever God it is you pray to, worship, pray to him, because maybe he'll listen, because ours aren't hearing. If they do, they're not responding. So he gets up, and they say, well, you know, what is the deal? Why, why is all this happening? Who, who has offended the gods? They find out it's Jonah. He says, if you'll throw me overboard, all this will, this will settle out. It's all on me. They don't want to do that. They row harder. They do everything they can. They exhaust all their resources. It's still not happening. So over the side, Jonah goes. Along comes a great big fish. Jonah spends three days at the belly of the whale. While he's down there, Jonah has one of those aha moments. Like, something caused this, and it might be me. 
So, Lord, if you'll get me out of this, I promise you, I'll go do like you told me to do. Any of y'all ever said those words before? Lord, y'all get me out of this algebra test. You let me get this promotion. Lord, you let me, whatever your promise was, and I promise you, oh, you know, I'm your man. Well, so Jonah, up on the beach he comes. Jonah goes inland. A day's walk starts telling him, 40 days, 40 days, the judgment of God's going to fall in this country. He's expecting and hoping that they'll turn a deaf ear because he wants to see God squash him like a bug. But the king says, I want everybody in this country, don't you eat or drink, take off your clothes, put on sackcloth, mourn and pray, and perhaps God will spare us from wrath. Tremendous revival. He spares the country, which just infuriates Jonah because he wanted to see him smushed like a bug because they're not like him. So he goes and sits and pouts under a tree, and then he gets mad because God kills this tree. And Jonah has, uh, God has a little talk with him about his attitude. Now that is Jonah in a nutshell, all four chapters. Now I want to go over about five or six key points out of all of that, something that I think it would behoove us to remember. The first thing is, first point is, God is not nearly as interested or concerned with your plans, preferences, or perspectives as you are. We're selfish. We want what we want, like we want it, and we want it right now. Now, God is a God of love. God's a giver, and he's a giver of every good and perfect gift. He'll not withhold any good thing from you. We know the scriptures. But with every promise of God, there's kind of a thing attached to it. You know, and it's you line up with me, and I got you. But you walk away from me, you walk out under my covenant blessing, my, my hedge of protection. I still love you, but you'll get skinned up. Now, he's not at all interested. He loves us, and he's interested in everything we do. He knows our thoughts. He knows our ways. But he knows his way is better. If you'll go to the next slide, slide. I'm, a, I'm about as technologically impaired as you can get, okay? A, a mechanical pen and pencil set is high tech for me. I was born before 1977, so I'm hopelessly technologically inept. So if I call the slide... That's why I grew up with some old view graphs and stuff just to come up. It says in Jeremiah, for I, that's God speaking, I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord, plans for peace and well-being and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. I know the plans I have for you, but you've got to cooperate with me. You've got to cooperate with me. You've got to work with me here is what God's saying. I know the plans that I have for you. And he goes on to say, in Isaiah 55, 9, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So God said, I know what you want because I'm a discerner of every thought and every intent. I know what you're all about. But that's not good for you. No matter how good it seems right now, don't swap the good for the best. I, God, have got the best for you. You're settling for crumbs. 
You're settling. You're like the prodigal son. You're down here eating corn husk and slop. You could be sitting at my banquet table, enjoying my blessing and protection and my provision and my direction. You won't walk aimlessly. You won't just beat the air, frailing around and accomplishing nothing if you'll do it my way. Do it my way. The next point to remember is everybody matters to God. Everybody. Now, Jonah was not considered. He was not at all concerned for the Ninevites or the Assyrians. They weren't like him. He didn't care for them. God loves everybody. Everybody matters to God. There's not a soul on this planet that does not matter to God. And therefore, they ought to matter to us. Now, one of the hardest lessons I've had to learn, and I'm still learning it. Now, 58 years old, I've been in church forever. And I was baptized when I was seven years old. And I've been in Sunday school, and I've been in youth class, and I've taught, and I've preached, and I've deaconed, and I've passed collection plate. And I've done all of it. And thought I had it pretty much figured out. Until all of a sudden, I kept running up against that part about God is love. Well, I'm all about that. That's good, God. I'm glad you love. But then he goes on in 1 John to say, how can you say you love me who you've never seen, but you don't love your brother? And I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on a second now. Hold on. (laughs) That's kind of tough to take. He said, I meant it to be. I meant it to be. You know, everybody matters to me. Do you think that you're the only one that my son Jesus Christ hung on a cross to die for? Now, I'm convinced that if I'd have been the only one, he'd have still done it. I do. I believe if I'd have been the only one in need of a Savior, I believe God would have sent that Savior just for me. But I'm not the only one. There's other folks out there that need to hear about God's love and they need to experience God's love and they need God's people who profess to love God to love on them. Words, too much of this, and not enough putting feet and legs up under it. So everybody matters to God. You remember in Matthew chapter 25 when he divides the sheep from the goats? And he says, come into the kingdom that I prepared for you. For when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. When I was sick or in jail, you visited me. And we're going to say to him, Lord, when did we do all this? When you did it unto the least of these, my children, you did it unto me. When, he's going to tell others, depart from me, for I never knew you. Because when I was sick, you didn't come and see me. When I was in jail, you didn't come and visit. When I was hungry or cold or thirsty, you did not minister to me. When did we fail to do all that, God? When you didn't do it to the least of these, my children. Remember, as you go through the week this week, the least of these. The least of these. Nobody on this planet is any less deserving of God's grace than you or I are. We're all in this together. And Jonah forgot that. He forgot that. The next point that we need to understand is God sees and knows everything. There is nothing hidden from God. Not your thoughts, not your actions, not your attitudes. Now, Kenny has touched on over the last several months, actually. And this book you're going to go into tonight in small groups, and I encourage you to be there because it's an awesome book. I've read it before. 
not a fan. What they're doing is they're challenging the assumption that wallowing out a seat on Sunday morning is not enough to get accomplished what God put you here for. And filling out an offering envelope is not enough. And gold stars for perfect attendance is not enough. You realize how long we have been dealing with the superficial stuff in church? And that's what Kenny's been talking about. It's time to get past the milk and get down to the meat, spiritual food. And you can't do that if you're selfish. You can't do that until you realize that God knows better and he's concerned for everybody, that he sees everything, that I can fool you, but I can't fool God. He sees and he knows. Now, do you think, do you think for one second it was a coincidence? Do you think God was surprised at what Jonah did? You think he didn't know from Jump Street what Jonah was going to do? Because he goes, oh, he ain't got down to his waist in the water and there's a whale or a big fish to swallow him. You think that happened by accident? There's no accidents in this world. There's stuff we can't explain. But as Dawn said, God is in control. He is still in control. Even when the waves and the wind and everything's going crazy, he's the master of the wind and the waves. He knows, he sees, he knows where you are. He knows where you need to be. He knows where you want to be. He knows what it's going to take to get you there. He sees and knows everything. Jonah, a prophet of God, either forgot that or wasn't quite as anointed as he thought he was. Perhaps we need to pay attention to that because I've been guilty of that myself. I've been guilty of believing I could put on a game face, kind of fake it till I make it. That doesn't work anymore. Another point we need to understand is that God's will and plan is going to be accomplished. It's going to be accomplished. The only thing that's got to decide, the only thing we have to decide, is who ends up being blessed through obedience, how long and how far you run, how much damage is done by you due to disobedience, and where you end up and how long you stay there. Because God's will is going to be accomplished. It will be accomplished. There's a story of Balaam's donkey. Y'all familiar with Balaam's donkey? Had a prophet that was going to do the wrong thing, and a donkey stopped in the middle of the road, and I'm not going. And the prophet beat on him and kicked him around. And then finally the donkey turns and talks to the prophet. He says, what are you doing? Why are you beating up on me? So if it takes a talking donkey, God will get his will done. He'll, it will happen. Jonah forgot that. I'll run. I'll hide. I'll abdicate my duty. I'll go away. Maybe God will forget. Maybe he'll recall me. Maybe he'll, I don't want to do this. This is not something I want to do. So maybe God will change his mind when he sees how much I don't want to do it. God's not going to change his mind about you doing his will. He's not going to change his mind. He hasn't changed it from the first time, the first word that was recorded in this Bible. He hadn't changed one iota. 
And the Bible I read says that not one jot or tittle will pass away till all is accomplished. The whole circuit. The first word in Genesis ties into the last word in Revelation, which comes right back around to a big loop. It all ties together. There's no loopholes. There's no escape clauses. It's going to happen. The question is, are you going to be blessed by it happening? Or you could be one of them that stands there wondering what happened. Just shaking your head like, wow. Do any of you have any regrets about things, what I call the woulda, coulda, shouldas, that if I'd have done that, man, I wouldn't be here right now. If I had just taken this road, I would have avoided so many mud holes and briar patches. Well, you can't do anything about what's been done in the past. But once you add the briar patch and add the mud hole, you get on the other side of the road away from the briar patches and mud holes and you get lined back up with God's will. You also got to remember that sometimes our disobedience endangers and places others at risk. Jonah's disobedience endangered those sailors. His selfishness and refusal to yield the will of God put other men's lives at stake. Sometimes damage happens to other people. The military calls it collateral damage. But I'm going to tell you, if somebody comes in with a gun and is shooting at me and hits Billy, it don't make it sting no less, does it, that it was shooting at you, shooting at me, didn't mean to hit you. You still got a sucking chest wound or something. So it, collateral damage is a stupid term anyway. In the book, it talks about they go walk around Jericho. They walk around it. The wall falls. Mar marvelous things happen. And God has said, don't touch anything in there. It all is mine. Kill every living soul and every living thing in there. But all of the prophets, all of the treasure, all the goodies, that's consecrated to me. So far as they know, they've done that. And a few days later, they go into battle against a little bitty, teeny, tiny country that they ought to just walked all over. And they get their rear ends kicked. Lose 36 people. 36 people die, which means 36 wives, husbands don't come home. A whole bunch of youngins' daddies don't come home. Mamas and daddies' sons don't come home. Why? Because Achan previously had taken some stuff he wasn't supposed to take and hit it. The gold and silver, he just couldn't stand it. It was too good to resist. And 36 people died because of his disobedience. Now, he and his family, eventually when they were found out, they were destroyed. The ground opened up and swallowed them. But 36 other families were touched because of disobedience. When I'm disobedient or you're disobedient, we place others at risk, grave risk. When we can intercede and don't, We hurt somebody. To fail to act can do as much damage as doing the wrong thing and acting. Indecisiveness. I'm not going to move. I'm just going to stand here. Doesn't solve the problem most of the time. You've got to move one way or the other. You know, how long halt you between two opinions? Choose you this whom you will serve. 
You can't stand still. Not with God. You got to keep moving. It's going to be accomplished. But who's going to gain and who's potentially at risk if you fail to come to do what he's told to? And while we're on the subject of God's will, any of you ever search for God's will in your life? Lord, I want to know God's will. I want to seeking God's will. And you don't hear anything, you don't get an answer? Let me give you some advice based on 58 years of living, 58 years of bumping my head. And that is, if you don't know what else to do, do what it already says to do in that book. That's a starting place right there. Don't know what else to do. Do what he has said to do. And don't do what he said don't do. And then he'll give you all these other great revelations. But you've got to be in the right place at the right time. God's time to get what he wants you to have. So do his will. Whenever he tells you to do it, wherever, whatever it is. Okay? Understand that God is always in control. And he will always have the last word. Because he's sovereign. Which is a big fancy theological word for means he's got it all together. Nothing escapes his attention. Nothing is beyond him. Nothing's too hard for him. Nothing's too small for him. Nobody's inconsequential. He's sovereign. And he will make a way. We're celebrating, we're entering into the Christmas season right now. You realize how improbable the story of Jesus Christ is just from a human perspective. You go to Matthew chapter 1, you read the lineage of Christ in there. You see drunks, you see adulterers, you see prostitutes, you see liars, you cheats, you see scoundrels, you see every kind of outlaw there is. And that's on the earthly side. A virgin with child. Elizabeth, the cousin of Mary, beyond years, beyond childbearing years, her and her husband, John the Baptist. All the things that are just so improbable, statistically, they defy all the statistics. But they happened. They happened. The Red Sea parting, it happened. They can't explain it. We, you learn in science about photosynthesis, uh, photosynth- the leaves changing, photosynthesis, yes. Photosynthesis, leaves changing. And they'll tell you it's about carbon dioxide, exchange oxygen with CO2 among the trees and all this kind of mess. Now, that's, that's not why that happens. And they tell you that the tide moves in and out because the moon does this and all that kind of stuff. It's not why that happens. The tide moves in because God says tide move in. It moves out because God says move out. The leaves change because he said leaves change. He spoke everything into creation that exists. He spoke into creation and he still speaks. He ordains. He orchestrates. He still runs the show in spite of the fact that sometimes we don't want to get out of the way and let him do it. He's in control, and it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Not a single promise that God has ever made has been stopped by man, though they have tried it. Herod killed all the kids two years and age and younger just on the off chance that he'd get 
the promised one. But he didn't get him. He didn't get him. By all earthly accounts, no way David should have taken out Goliath with five smooth river rocks and a slingshot. The whole army of Israel had run from him, but a little shepherd boy with a rock and a slingshot took him out. The God we serve defies description. He defies analysis. He defies quantification. You can't add him up. You dare not subtract anything from him. You can't understand him. You can't comprehend him without him allowing himself. You can't even have faith without him allowing you and giving you faith. Faith is a gift of God according to the scriptures. He's all in this and all over it and all through it. It's going to happen if he says it's going to happen. So you might as well just fall in line and get with him. And that took me about 50 some odd years to come to that conclusion. So in basically in closing, if we would just do what God says to do, when he says to do it, like he says to do it, everybody wins except the devil. And really, that's what we're put on this earth for, is to glorify God and his son Jesus and make the devil aggravated every chance we get. It ought to be when we get up in the morning, Kayla gets up in the morning, it ought to be the devil ought to say, oh, good Lord Almighty, Kayla's up. This day is gone. I'm hurting already. I'm hurting. I'm behind. That, he ought to say that about every one of us. Oh, dear Lord, they're up and they're mobilized and they're moving. The last thing the enemy wants is a motivated people to go out and do anything. He'd love for us to sit here and have perfect attendance, soak up all of the words, own all the Bibles. We can go to Lifeway all we want to and have all the little fishes we want on the back of our station wagons. We can all wear the crosses and we can have our Jesus pep rallies. He doesn't mind that a bit because we're all contained in this little holy ghetto. Nobody gets infected. It's when we leave here and go out and take what God has given us outside the walls and we share it that we become dangerous to the devil. He's not scared of us in here. He's not the least bit interested in what goes on in here except to mess with our minds. We don't hurt him all that much in here. This is nourishment. This is a spiritual pep rally. This is where we get equipped. But then, if you've got all the whole armor of God on, armor gets heavy. Any of y'all ever had to wear armor? That gets heavy, and it's hot, and it's aggravating. And if you stand around long with all that armor on, it just bugs you, and you won't take it off. But if you move it into battle... You know you got to have the armor on. And secondly, you're too busy fighting to worry about it itching or scratching or hurting. You don't even think about the armor when you're in the middle of a battle. So we've got to take the armor. We've got to take the weapons. We've got to take what he's given us and do just completely opposite of what Jonah did. Instead of Jonah, Jonah said, I know what you want me to do. And I don't say it happening. We have to have the attitude of Isaiah. Here am I. Send me. Send me. So this morning, my challenge to you is don't be like Jonah.
Don't run from a call of God on your life, whatever it may be, wherever it is that you can serve. It doesn't have to be a great, grandiose ministry head. Somebody, there's a job for everybody in this building that nobody can do as well as you can. But if you don't do your job, that means somebody else has got to work twice as hard and they've got to work out of their calling and anointing to take up your slack or my slack. You endanger other people when you don't do. I've lived my whole life in a paramilitary state between the military and law enforcement. The simple rules was be where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there in the right uniform, ready to work. Showing up was 90% of the battle. And that's the way it is in the Christian life. Showing up with a willingness to be used by God and to get out of his way and fall in behind him. That's when you'll see God blessing you, God blessing this church, God blessing this city, state, country, and Lord knows we need it. That's when you'll see people overseas blessed. You'll see your neighbors blessed. You'll see lost family members brought to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You'll be backsliders reclaimed. The jails will be emptied. There won't be any more liquor stores. Won't be any more honky-tonks and dope dens. Won't be any more drive-bys. If God's people will get out there. We we'll quote Second Chronicles all the time. My people who call by my name turn from their wicked ways. The promise he makes then I will hear from heaven and will heal their land. God had a plan for the Ninevites, the Assyrians. Only God knows what that plan was because later on, Assyria is one of the countries that destroyed the kingdom of Israel and Judah. They came in and took them into captivity. So nobody knows exactly why God preserved them. But it's not really important that we understand that. What's important is that God said do it, and that's what we need to do. If we could understand it, we wouldn't need God anyway, would we? If we could do it, we wouldn't need God. If we could have done it, Jesus would have died in vain, wouldn't he? So if you don't believe Jesus died in vain, if you don't believe that you do it better than God, then the simplest thing for me and you to do is just fall in behind God, right? Bow your heads with me, if you will. Father, we thank you, first of all, that you put up with us. Because, Lord, truth be told, everybody in this building at one time or another has played like Jonah. You've given us a clear calling, and we've tucked and run. We've gone the other way. Father, every one of us has been guilty of being willful and headstrong and self-centered. But, Father, we repent of that this morning. We thank you for your patience. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you're the God of second chances. Lord, move us and shape us and mold us. Conform us more to your image and the image of your son, Jesus Christ. Help us to take what you've already given us and use it for your glory, honor, and praise. Help us, Lord, that we not ever cut and run the other way again when faced with a challenge or a call from you. But, Lord, help us to joyfully, enthusiastically, follow you. 
Bless what goes on the rest of this worship service. Bless the praise and worship team as they come up and lead us back into your very presence. Lord, touch lives this morning. Whatever the need is, physical, mental, emotional, financial, spiritual, we know that you're able, more than able, abundantly able to meet every need. So, Father, I pray that you'll touch hearts and lives, decisions will be made, backsliders will be reclaimed, lost souls will be saved, burdens lifted, wounded, healed, that you'll just manifest yourself and you'll be God and we'll be grateful. And we love you forever. Amen.